listening to Obstacle Races New Zealand. Join your hosts Max Bell and Stephen Steady as they explore the realms of obstacle sports, including OCR, mud running, adventure racing, hybrid racing, ninja and more in New Zealand and abroad. We're back! Sorry it's been a while since the previous episode of the Obstacle Races New Zealand podcast. Uh, we've been busy. Mostly my fault. <laughs> I, I've been busy. Just getting out of the swing of things, out of the routine of editing the podcast. So we actually recorded this one a few months back, and we have a few more in the bag pre-recorded, but we're finally getting this one out today. But I wanted to jump in quickly before we do our normal intro, just to cover off some of the news that's been happening since we've recorded the intro and the interview. Uh, There's too much news to cover, but the main piece of news I really want to get in here now quickly is that the biggest week in New Zealand OCR is coming very soon. Uh, There are three major OCR races within the same week, one weekend and then the next weekend. First is Spartan, which takes place on the 25th to the 27th of November. That includes the Sprint, the Super, the Kids, the Hurricane Heat and the Trail Run, uh, if you can call a, you know, flat ground grass open field trail run um but obviously super exciting because spartan has of course not been in new zealand for a few years due to multiple postponements so it's really cool that they are finally returning the weekend after that there is two events on the same day so a clash unfortunately but one is in the south island one is in the north island so no matter where you're based hopefully you can get to one of them the first one is alpha challenge at Wanaka in the South Island. That's the 3rd of December. And they have a 5k, a 10k, a 5 hour relay, a kids race and adaptive race, which is pretty cool. Um, And they have competitive and open waves in the 5 and the 10. At Auckland in the North Island is Ultimate Athlete Ariwa. So this is the first time they're expanding to Auckland. They are on the 2nd and the 3rd of December. They have a 3k, a 6k, a 10k, a kids race, and a next-gen race for teenagers, which is new. They have an elite race with prize money on the line just for the 10k, and the distances they have age group and team categories. So hopefully you guys can make it to, you know, two, one or two, maybe three. I don't know how you physically do that, but hopefully one or two of those races and what is the biggest week for New Zealand OCR. bit cold here today, but... Uh... Oh, no, I'm all right. Didn't so, snow up there, did it? No, I didn't. I see you oh. got snow though. Yeah, yeah, it snowed in snowed in Wellington today. Snowed Not like full on snow. I think it was sleet. Maybe it was sleet's the technical term. It was kind of well. Someone it, up in the hills on the news cold. tonight had um, photos, or they'd done it on their phone, but there was snowflakes landing on their porch and everything. Don't know when that was, but. Uh, yeah. One of the guys I worked with lives in Christchurch, and he was over the moon because his kids were all out playing in snow, and they haven't been there that long. I'd never seen snow before. Oh, nice. Yeah, I saw in the South Island got a lot of snow. Mm. I think we got, like, sort of semi I don't know the different types of snow, but I think it was sleet. It was kind of rainy, wet, sort of like hail, but more flaky. Like, it wasn't true snow, but definitely something that doesn't happen every day in Wellington. So it was, it was fun. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good. So um, episode 20, the one we're mm-hmm. doing now, it's exciting. Yep, start of our second year. Yes. So for those guys who haven't listened, uh, last episode was our, our one-year 
celebration episode, one year of podcasting. Hopefully we'll have a few more events to start talking about that we can, we can attend and not to all these events overseas where other people get to attend. Uh, towards the back end of this year and uh, next year, there'll be a few more here in New Zealand. Yeah, I just saw the news. It was it was in one of the local papers. Uh, oh, I should look it up. <laughs> it was a mud run. A, um, one of the local like South Island papers, I think, had a story about it. But it was their first time back after COVID. So they'd you know, cancelled for two years in a row and now they're back. And hopefully we get to see more of that, more events mm, more coming events, back and more events starting up. Yeah, well, it is good to open the running calendar or your calendar that you have on the website and uh, see more events on than cancelled or postponed now. <laughs> the list was long for a while, but it's all positive going forwards. Hmm. Yeah, what have you been up to recently, fitness-wise? Uh, not much. I um, attended um, the NZOSA. They uh, put a, an obstacle fit test event on uh, on Saturday held at uh, a Send Fit gym in uh, Glen Innes here in Auckland. I didn't compete. I um, put my hand up and was in a, a judicator for the wall balls and a couple of others events. But they had uh, 18 competitors that did a sort of, a, it's a similar thing to the Hyrox Hyrox or uh, Deca Fit, and 400-metre run, and then uh, nine different exercises that were done that, with a 400 meter run uh, before each one, so there was the run and then 30 wall balls, the run and um, 50 meter bear crawl, and another 400 meter run, and then 10 burpees over bag and that sort of thing. It's quite well. Everyone uh, said it went well. The uh, goal that Liam, who put it together, had was he was reckoning around 26 to 28 minutes, and Scotty Thornton, who we've had on the show before, he did it in 26:53. And Taryn won the women's at uh, 32.28, which is pretty good because I struggled to run four and a half Ks in 32 minutes, let alone carry on with all those exercises. But no, it was it was a well well run event. So they're now taking feedback on that, and they're they're hoping to roll it out around New Zealand to different gyms and and that and have a, a leaderboard and a, a bit of a competition and getting a few sponsors to to get on board to give up some prizes. When that gets up and running, we'll uh, have to get a few of the, the main people in and have a chat with them. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to hear about this. Because the idea is to bring, like you mentioned, High Rocks and Decca. The idea is to bring that hybrid racing right to New Zealand. Yeah. It's something that's taking off overseas. It's, you know, the the running mixed in with the, the functional fitness. Yeah. Something that hasn't happened here in New Zealand yet, but oh, I'm excited. It's the sort of, sort of fitness I would love. I'd love to compete in that. Yeah, and we had uh, two other, uh, some people from other uh, gyms, not from, not only from Ascendfit, uh, and everyone raved about it. So uh, hopefully um, we can get a few more, get another event before the end of the year and um, get a few people involved from outside of Auckland and that around. Because mm. what is the distance total in the workout? Well, it's supposed to be 400 metre 400 meter run and then um, do an exercise, but most people's Smart watch has come in and said the run was around 450, 460 metres. So that took it to just under five kilometres with the 10 runs, 400 metres. Nice. So, yeah, so there's 10 runs and then there's nine exercises. So there was wall balls, bear crawls, burpees over bag, agility course, goblet squats. There was a rope climb. There was skipping. There was a farmer's carry. Uh, there was pull-ups. 
some people commented it was a little bit too crossfitty, uh, needed to be a little bit more grip strength orientated for a bit more typical ori uh, obstacle course. Yeah, I dare say we'll, uh, there'll be a discussion on that at the next um, committee meeting from the NZOSA. Hmm, but it's definitely a big market for CrossFit and functional fitness in New Zealand and oh, I've, yeah. I've been doing a bit of CrossFit myself and um, those are the workouts that I can actually be competitive in, is <laughs> the, the workouts that involve running, like, you know, well, some of the some of the CrossFit workouts are, you know, it's like 200 metre runs or 400 metre runs or 600 metre runs in between stuff and those are the ones that I can actually compete with some of the stronger guys in the gym when it okay. comes to the CrossFit workouts where it's just barbell, like, I, I'm like, you know, bottom of it <laughs> but, yeah. but when it's like stuff plus go for a run i can i can hold my own <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited about this sort of hybrid fitness coming in okay, well, hopefully hoping to get it to my crossfit gym in wellington would be fun yeah no well, we'll um yeah definitely have to have a chat about that and get uh, get it happening yeah i wanted to talk about um so it's sort of fitness related sort of uh to do with self self defense i guess in obstacle racing it's kind of related where it there's a, I guess, kind of a theory behind obstacle racing is to be, you know, a generalist athlete, I guess, like obstacle fit. You know, it's, you're not fully specialising in CrossFit or running and, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just trying to relate my story in. But, but I think I'll just talk about self-defence and in terms on, on this podcast. Uh, but I got attacked recently in the street. It's pretty crazy. Okay. So I was doing my job and I was, I was parked in the street just finished going back to my car and there's there was some guy just you know yelling in the street and getting all too common these days unfortunately but he was yelling at some some woman in the street and she was ignoring him and she walked off and then i was the next person walking up so he just focused his attention on me and started yelling at me and came up and got right in my face and uh i was trying to de-escalate you know just chatting to him and trying to get out of there <laughs> and eventually sort of worked and I, and I walked away like you know 20 meters away and hopped on my car i remember thinking oh my my wing mirrors are folded in so i can't see if he's coming and i'm like oh i should get my keys and turn the car on unfold them and then as i'm thinking yeah. that he like opens the side door of my car oh, okay <laughs> yeah and just like yeah leans in the car and just yelling at me right in my face again and yeah just being abusive and and then someone pulled him off someone ended up pulling him off and tackling him to the street then all the police showed up um, which is awesome so definitely an amazing response from the police and i guess like Sorry, I guess my point of the story was uh, in, in the past, I'd trained a bit of Krav Maga, which is like a self-defense discipline, like a martial art, but it's it's more orientated around real world self-defense. So I definitely, although I didn't have to fight in this situation, you know, I definitely am glad I did some of those lessons about just being aware and how to be ready, you know, how to respond if I needed to. And it was definitely at that level <laughs> where he was leaning into my car you know, wouldn't go away, is yelling at me. And luckily someone from the street jumped in and pulled him off. And when I looked over, the guy had him in a, a like a lead lock on the ground. Yeah. And he was just chilling out there until the police came. <laughs> so so the guy obviously knew how to fight. The guy who pulled him off. Like, pulled him off. Got him out yeah, of saw something oh, happening. Good. Yeah, but it's, yeah, just it's crazy that it's happened in the middle of the city and all too common, unfortunately. But I think that's a, an important part of being, you know, like a capable human being this idea of being a generalist athlete for ocr you know you can run and you can lift and you can climb and you can crawl and you know if anyone's interested in self-defense classes i think that's definitely something to look into as well so that you know how to take care of yourself if something like this happens the world is going like that i see there's 
mass stabbings in Canada today. Yeah, it feels like it's happening more too often in New Zealand as well. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right, back on to a bit more OCR-type news. One of the people we had on recently, um, Haley, she has just returned from Barton in Hawaii and is raving about it. So she said she'd love to come on and maybe not do a full episode, but she'd love to come on and give us a little rundown of how they went and what it was like. Uh, she did the trifecta weekend in uh, Hawaii two weekends ago and had a really good day. The heat knocked around a bit, but... Ah, awesome. That'd be interesting to hear about. And there's nothing been happening locally, I know, but uh, you said you had the dates for the World Championship? On the global scene, I've seen the um, OCR World Championships. The dates have been announced. And these are the, the World Obstacle World Championships. Bit of a confusing period in OCR, perhaps, going forward, in that we actually have two OCR World Championships. There's the Adventury OCR World Championships um, and then the World Obstacle OCR World Championships. Adventury being a, a private company and their championships didn't exist at that point, so they just named their event that. And now World Obstacle being the federation system is starting up a World Championships. Um, so due to COVID, they've had to delay it for a number of years, but they're finally looking to go ahead in 2023. So they've announced the dates and location as Belgium for September 14th to 17th, 2023. And we don't have any more details yet, but the details are to be announced soon. So eventually, do they have one this year, do you know? Yeah, uh, it's coming up. Okay. I don't have it on, on me at the moment, but I, I think it's soon. Like, I think it's this month or next month or something. Oh, okay, very soon. Who do we know? We know someone's going to that. Kevin Ford, is he off to that? Someone... He is, yeah, Kevin Ford and then uh, Reese Cunningham. Cunningham, yeah. The two people we've got to get on the podcast, actually. But yes, yes, we need to get them on and have a chat to them. But yeah, yeah, the two Kiwis who were going over to that is exciting. Mm. But yeah, we definitely need to send them an email now that we've mentioned them publicly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to come on here, talk about the OCR World Championships, the Adventure World Championships, one, yeah. after they get back from that. One other thing I heard today or I read today um, on the Obstacle Media, Racing Media podcast, was that um, they've just had the Canadian series, Spartan, oh. and there's a rumour that they're not going to carry on with that anymore because they didn't get enough numbers. They didn't say what the numbers should be, but uh, it's a little bit scary because if they can, Canada, it's not looking good for us here. Mm. Hopefully it's, uh, it's not true, but um, there's a... A few comments there about how they're not going to go back because the numbers haven't for the series maybe it was the series they're not going to do again but the series numbers have been well down so they're not uh, not going to carry it on okay is that the because i i don't follow that exactly but there was some news about it in north american there's a north american one which does all of north america but this year they had a three which apparently they had years ago but they brought it back this this year for 2022 was a three series race in just for canada in canada okay um, because i think the north american series only has one race in canada they have multiple other spartan races so they um they did that i'm just trying to find it i i've seen it on uh it popped up on instagram there somewhere but i can't seem to find it now but i'll get all the information for next time yeah so we need to look into our spartan information because it's all changing this part of the world too isn't it there's yeah. Um, I mean, there was an Australian series in the past, is that right? Yes, there was. And Which I think is, so, I mean, that was always the hope was that New Zealand would come into that. <laughs> we never have an Australian-New Zealand series. 
but I, I don't know if it's continuing because I know 2023 Australia is changing out but it's doing the they're changing all their races in Australia right yeah things are changing for this part of the world all right well should we cut over and uh have a listen to what Andrew has to say um he is an obstacle not an, ob- an obstacle racer but uh he's also done so many other things he's big into adventure racing currently he just finished the God Zone, not the full race. There is, which I didn't know until we were talking to him. There are several smaller, ra- or I shouldn't say smaller races, but shorter distance races within the same thing. Uh, he talks about that, um, and uh, yeah, I won't spoil it by telling you where he came and what he did. But he certainly uh, sounds like he has some fun, and and I see he's now currently riding a bike, or he just has rode a bike from Christchurch to Invercargill or Dunedin to Invercargill, one of those places. Something he tried years ago and didn't get there, so he headed off and he's done that now. Training for a 12-hour race in the in Naseby later in the year, and so he's increasing his training for God's Own for next year. Yeah, definitely an amazing ultra athlete, and I know Andrew Robinson's done a lot of just uh, crazy stuff and amazing stuff, and you know from um, OCR, world's toughest mudder over there, doing experience in that and. He did the the 10 great walks of New Zealand in 10 days um, and done, done adventure racing and done so many other things. But I feel like we've just uh, scratched the surface and what we know about that he's done and what he talks about in the, the episode. Uh, so we definitely need to get him back on at some point because I, I think he's done so much stuff that it's it's hard to cover it all and it's hard to, to pull it out of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he's just gathered so many awesome experiences across his athletic career. And when we actually did quiz him about coming back on and actually give us a bit more in-depth just on God's own and everything, because I think we could only do a whole episode on that because he's very knowledgeable on that and he's um, competed a couple of times. So we'll uh, definitely have to get him back on again. We did, um, I guess, a bit behind the scenes. We talked to Andrew afterwards about doing another interview because we talked to him in this interview about just general an overview of sort of what he's done and who he is and and sort of what we've done in interviews so far on our podcast. But we talked to him after we recorded this one about talking to him again in the future about getting more specific on just one topic. And we definitely need to line that up. And since talking to him about that, you know, you and I, Stephen, have recorded an upcoming episode on OCR coaching. So we Mm. need to, uh, Hayley and Liam, talk to them just about coaching and coaching tips and really drill into a specific topic. Uh, I think that works quite well as a format. So, yeah, it's awesome. And we'll definitely get Andrew back on and talk to him about just narrowing on some of the awesome stuff he's done. Yes, yeah, no, we, we certainly do. I think we need to get a few more uh, obstacle, sorry, um, adventure racing people on for 2023. I'll have to do a bit of research and find uh, some local lads and lasses to have a chat to. Mm, especially now that, um, you know, adventure racing's connecting into the world obstacle structure. We, we have um, Godzone <laughs> involved in it. Um, so 2023, you know, we can talk to people about that, about adventure racing, tie it into the obstacle sports umbrella. So today we're talking to Andrew Robinson. And I know he's got some awesome stories in OCR and adventure racing and just endurance and running in general. But how are you, Andrew? Good, good. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Good to have you here. Yeah. 
So first, can we get a little bit of a personal background? Who is Andrew? Where's he grow up? Where's he been? Where do you go to school? That type of thing. Did you say we've got 45 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we might be able to graze over that. Um, born and bred in the Bay of Islands, uh, and I'll probably I'll probably link back to that because I I was a pretty unfit child. I managed to watch a lot of movies and eat a lot of ice cream. My grandmother always called me a growing boy. Looking at the photos back, I'm probably a little bit beyond growing. But uh, but at the same time, I did do some some mud runs and those sorts of things cross country, and I was always last place. Luckily, there was only four boys, so I was only fourth place. But anyway, that's probably something that foreshadowed what I do now, I guess, is the, you know, cross country in Northland and New Zealand is very muddy as opposed to cross country, which you see now, which is just on a golf course, which is hardly really cross country in my mind. Um, and then traveled the world pretty extensively. And now I live in Queenstown. So I fell in love with the Rockies, fell in love with Jackson Hole, Wyoming, knew that I had to move to Queenstown. I signed a lease in Glenorchy, thinking that it was close enough to Queenstown, not realizing that 45 Ks in Otago was very different to 45 Ks in Northland. (laughs) (laughs) So, but within a couple of days, I knew it was home. And five years later, I live in Frankton and um, I've actually just moved house this weekend, Beans. So it's all happening. So um, you said you spent a fair bit of time overseas. Was that work-related, just travelling around, bumming around sort of thing? It was travelling. So I, uh, what happened? was working at UE Insurance in Auckland and met a lady, ended up, she was planning on going to Europe for 10 days. I said, well, why don't we just go for six months kind of thing? And it was just a very off-the-cuff, very on-a-whim kind of thing. Ended up hitchhiking all of Europe. So 34 countries in Europe, including the 29 countries in the, or 28, 29 countries in the European Union. And it was there I'd actually run a Tough Mudder the week, uh, the year before, and I ran it with Matt Ainsley. And I did the first lap with him and he, we kind of had a bit of a chat and he said he was going on to do this world's toughest mudder thing. And I was like, what's that? Sounds crazy, whatever it is. But I ended up doing a second lap, as did he. That was 2014 Tough Mudder at Hampton Downs. And I ended up doing a second lap of that. And then kind of following Matt's story, he went on to do World's Toughest Mudder 2014. And he's probably sick of me talking about how he's the reason that I'm into it now. But um, I kind of followed his story and got pretty inspired and wanted to do it. So when I traveled Europe, uh, I realized that as long as I kind of put my mind to it without being overly cheesy and diamonds are created in the rough and all that sort of stuff, it was kind of, I just put my mind to it and um, bought a ticket for World's Toughest Mudder 2016 and started to run. I, I started to run Christmas 2015 when I was in Denmark. I remember doing, I was doing some CrossFit at the time, so I obviously had somewhat of a level of fitness, but I remember doing 100 metres or a couple of 100 metres and then doing a few burpees, and I did that for about eight kilometres in Denmark in Christmas, so pretty cold, sub-zero temperatures, and that was kind of the start of my, I'd never really run before that, other than, as I say, a little bit of cross-country and stuff at school, and then I ended up spending the next seven, eight, nine months focusing on training for World's Toughest Mudder, and I put a crazy number in my head and just started working towards that. That's a pretty crazy journey just from not running, like you were saying, <laughs> and then going into endurance, ultra endurance. But how how did you do that? Did you just, is it just mileage? Did you start running a lot? Yeah, I guess so. Um, I, like I said, done a lot of CrossFit. So I was training, you know, an hour a day, a couple of hours a day, mm-hmm 
four or five days a week. So I had the strength and fitness there. I loved the obstacle aspect of Tough Mudder. And I hadn't done any, I'd, I'd never even really heard a Spartan race at that point. But I'd, I'd loved the obstacle aspect of Tough Mudder. And in my mind, logically, running was not something that I ever wanted to do, but it was something that I had to do to do more obstacles. So I was like, if I could learn to run, then I could spend less time between each obstacles. And if I could spend less time between each obstacle, I could do more of them. And then obviously, as time goes on, you start to realize that running is actually the bigger part of OCR. So yeah, I just I just started kind of putting some mileage. I read a couple of posts on the World's Toughest Mudder page. There was a couple of books were, that were recommended. One was uh, one was Never Wipe Your Ass with a Squirrel. I can't remember who wrote that, but it's obviously a memorable title. And the other one is Relentless Forward Progress. And there was a training plan in that for a hundred mile race. And I and first thought I thought you know hundred miles seems doable nine minutes per kilometer and it wasn't until I started to actually run I realized that that was probably a little bit of a stretch goal so I I made it more realistic and I made it 80 miles and I remember the day that I made it 80 miles I was talking to um Carlo Piscatello and Josh Cox on the Piss and Cox show and I was messaging them and I was like I'm it's my first year doing it Uh, I'm gonna go and try and do 80 miles and they laughed at me that they actually they, they physically laughed at me I was like, oh, I'm going to prove you guys wrong. And I ended up meeting them. and um, But, yes, spent that year working towards running 80 miles, which is what's in 136 kilometers. That was the goal. And a lot of mileage and a lot more CrossFit. And that was pretty much how I trained for it with no real idea as to what I was getting myself into. That's insane to go to that level of endurance. But did, did you find – I mean, I think some some people sort of naturally fit endurance, <clears throat> right? I don't know. I don't. I don't run massive distances myself. But do do you find yours? You naturally sort of work for running long distance. I think I have been taught a lot of resilience over my life, and because of that, I was able to logically get my head around long distances. And a lot of the training that I did was more adventures. I never really. I didn't do a huge amount of running training if that makes sense I didn't do I didn't do fartlets and I didn't do drills and I did a little bit don't get me wrong I tried to get a little bit faster and I've still tried to get faster but I just don't enjoy running for the sake of running as much I enjoy running because I know it's going to take me somewhere and that's kind of the mindset that I went into when I first started was just where can this run take me what can I do what's a little bit more crazy than the last one that was basically my mindset around the running that I did. So I wouldn't say that I'm naturally a runner by any means, although I guess everybody's naturally a runner in their own, in their own right. But yeah, I think in regards to endurance, it's just a mental game. Hmm. So that was your first big long race was the world's toughest mudder. Yeah. Yep. So I turned up, <clears throat> no idea what I was doing. Um, my father was there. We flew him over for his 60th birthday. So that was pretty cool. Las Vegas and it was pretty cool. I ended up running 75 miles. So I was five miles short, which is 120 kilometers and placed 36th out of something like a thousand or 1500 people, which turned up. So in my mind, I thought, Oh, okay, well, if I can do that on seven or eight months of running experience, what would happen if I did a little bit more running or a little bit more training at least, you know? (laughs) So, So just stepping back, that was your first obstacle decent obstacle race was that you didn't have done anything other than the tough mudder at um, Hampton Downs which I just did 
with my work crew. Other than that, yep. uh, it was my first. It was my first official race. I did the Xterra Yhe Marathon as a training run. But other than that, I'd never done any races. I'd never done any events. I just kind of, I thought, you know what? If I'm going to do it, I might as well go all in, I guess. <laughs> yep. Both feet. Yeah. Yeah. After that, what other uh, obstacle races have you participated in? Well, after that, I put my foot down and traveled to, so focused on training hard for World's Toughest Motor the next year. Um, I had a goal of 100 miles. That was in 2017, Las Vegas again. And I thought I, I, I genuinely believed that I could do it with enough training. So I put my foot down, worked towards it. I ended up running 85 miles. However, I placed sixth because the conditions were horrible. It was freezing cold. Freezing cold. Um, yeah. Were you there? Were you, Max? No, neither of us have done no. it. But we, we've oh, spoken okay. to a lot of your cohorts. I mean, Nicola and Matt and Scotty and all they that. They were talking too. about the temperatures. Yeah. The, we talked about the temperature. Yeah. Scotty has got a little bit colder one with Iceland, but not much. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I guess the difference between Iceland, because it's definitely a, a race that I've dreamt of, um, Iceland and World's Toughest, is that World's Toughest, you are wet the whole time. Like, you, you can't escape. You can, yeah, you could dry off between laps if you wanted to, but you're going to be wet in five minutes again. So if you've got close enough to zero degree temperatures and you've got someone blasting you with a fire hose whilst you're trying to crawl through a tunnel, it's going to be miserable. Miserable. Um, the thing that dis well, I didn't, the thing that kind of made me laugh was the fact that people were complaining about how tough it was. And I was like, it is world's toughest mother. I was just going to say, yeah, listen to the name. Yeah. <laughs> like if you wanted to do park run, it's on Saturday morning, they'll have one in Las Vegas. You'd be right. <laughs> Not to take away from park run for anybody, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. And I think that was when I realized that I had something in regards to resilience. Like I said, I still don't class myself as a, as a fantastic, fantastic athlete but i know that i can suffer and that's what i that's what i probably that's what i back myself on yeah so world's toughest and then i've kind of just dabbled in obstacle racing in 2018 and 2019 did uh spartan trifecta and bright in 2018 dabbled in a couple of things in 2019 and then obviously COVID hit in 2020 and that was both a blessing and a curse yep Yes, it's uh, shut the door on lots of things, but everything's coming back slowly. So, well, now that we can travel into the country easily. And the the reason I say both a blessing and a curse, and the thing that I'm excited for about um, OCRNZ or or ARNZ, or is the fact that because the borders were closed, I wasn't able to go and race overseas. I was probably looking forward to going and doing World's Toughest Mudder again at some point. Because I couldn't go overseas, I, I started to kind of just do a little bit of my own thing. Uh, I bought a mountain bike, and then I met my now partner, who is a phenomenal mountain biker. So she's taught me a few things. She's She kicked my ass on any downhill. Luckily, I've got the fitness to keep up with her on the uphill. But um, ended up starting to do a bit of adventure racing, and that's now my my number one focus. I got invited into a team for God's Own last year, and as in I got invited in last year to do God's Own this year, yep. have finished that, and I have definitely been bit by that bug. <laughs> Talk to us about adventure racing, because that's, that's something 
that me and Stephen personally want to learn more about and something I even heard you talk about and something I think on our podcast too that we don't talk about enough. So yeah, if you can talk about your experience in the races you've been to, it would be fascinating. Well, so I, I, I started kind of mountain biking and um, the thing that I love about the mountains is that every day you go out and do an adventure, it is some miniature obstacle course. Whether you're running and you're scrambling and you're doing a little bit of climbing and or descending or or you're on a mountain bike and you're trying to figure out how to get over something or get down something, there's obstacles in the mountains and in the forest. And that's what I love about adventure racing is it's just getting from point A to point B. And oftentimes they try to make it in the most difficult way possible, but you're trying to get from point A to point B in the most efficient way possible, even though the terrain is sometimes pretty gnarly. So yeah, I've done a few different adventure races this year. Uh, did a 24-hour adventure race in November, which was absolutely horrible conditions. Worse than World's Toughest Mudder 2017, by far. Some of the strongest athletes in New Zealand were pulling out from hypothermia. So, And obviously, New Zealand has some pretty strong adventure races. Learned a few things. Uh, taught myself how to navigate with some help of my God's own teammate this year, Rich and a couple of other people in Queenstown. And then I'm slowly just developing the skills that I can to be a good level adventure racer. So when was God's own, sorry? Has that been this year? Yeah, March. Yeah. Uh, just recently, wasn't it? Yeah. I'm yeah. not so familiar with it. I just started listening to a podcast at the moment. I'm only partway through it. It's an American podcast, but they're interviewing the fair youth team who ran in yeah. God's this year, the youngest ever competitors. Um, yeah. But yeah, they're talking about it. I'm learning about it now. But that, apparently it's one of the hardest years, right? The, this course this year was brutal. It was it was pretty gnarly. So um, and this is, and, and we could go two ways, but the thing that I'm most excited about is the fact that Kiwis are just so such adventurous people. So fear youth. Um, in that 24 hour that I was telling you about, that was just gnarly, gnarly weather, freezing cold. Three, four, five o'clock in the morning, it was starting to get misty and we were kind of navigating and we were struggling a little bit, but there's this kid and we were kind of, well, because there was a there was a pair of them, Finn Mitchell and another guy, and there was our God's own team. And we were kind of, we ended up pairing up with them a little bit, navigating with them. And we were talking to this kid and he seemed like he knew what he was doing. And when I say kid, I, I thought he must have been kind of maybe early, mid-20s, 16 years old. He ended up filling in. I think he might have filled in for somebody who pulled out of the fair youth team in God's own. So you've got a 16-year-old who's doing a seven-day adventure race, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he might have been the navigator. So it's like just the fact that we have that level of athlete who is still in school, mm -hmm. and this is why if OCR does what everybody has been wanting OCR to do for a long time, I think Kiwis could be phenomenal athletes, and especially if AR and OCR do kind of merge together that's that's what i'd love to see is because i know that a lot of adventure races would make fantastic obstacle races and vice versa and and new zealand should be well they are up there but they should be the best in the world this is where our, our, our adventure racing started and lots of those god's own and coast to coast and all that they're still prestige races to get into absolutely yeah so um new zealand's kind of led the way with uh, with a lot of people obviously steve gurney um leading the way with coast to coast just as, if not more impressive, is Nathan Fava, who's a Samoan-born fella from Nelson, lives in Nelson. Uh, he ha he won 
to give you an idea, so he won the last Eco Challenge in 2001 with yep. Team Seagate, I think it was. Seagate, yeah. They, they've won everything, haven't they, those guys? So he won it, I think it was 2001 or 2002, and then they went back in 2019 as Team of Aya, same, very similar team, and won it again. So their navigator, Chris Fawn, if I was lost anywhere on the planet and I could have one person with me, it'd be Chris Fawn, for sure, without a doubt. Um, I was actually, I got a good friend who's a photographer who was just in awe of his ability to navigate and the way that Avea seemed to work together. So I think if Kiwis can learn from people like Avea and and um, and then you've got teams like Fair Youth and this, the team that came second at God's Zone this year, their name was No Idea. We saw them as we were. So we unfortunately had to pull out from the Air Mountains as we had a knee injury on the team. We saw them as they were coming in. They were about 20 or 30 minutes behind second place. And they had no, they had no idea, pun not intended. Um, but we said, oh, what's your team name? And they said, no idea. And we're like, well, we obviously have got some idea because Top Sport's only 30 minutes ahead of you. And they were like, hey, how far ahead? 30 minutes. And so they kind of took off and they ended up placing second. And I think they must be in their late 20s, mid to late 20s. They're in, a couple of them are in Nelson as well. So, yeah, there's definitely some up-and-coming adventure racing teams, but it'll be interesting to see what happens when the borders open up and we get some, some yeah. international teams come back and, and play the game next year. Yeah, because there was, there was a fair few teams in God's Own, and they must have all nearly been local teams because the borders were still pretty much shut then. And I think... Teams I don't think were there was any teams coming over from Aussie. I think it was all Kiwi teams. Yeah. The Aussies are pretty good. The South Americans are pretty good. The the South Africans are fantastic. Yeah, there's some there's some amazing teams out there, but I guess it's just it's kind of taking the 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 sport to another level, isn't it? I mean, you go from a 5k sprint, which I see you wearing the shirt there, Stephen. It's definitely not my uh not not my forte. The reason I wanted to do something like God's Own, and I've got another race coming up in July, a last man standing race, is because I I always started to kind of catch people at 24 hours. or cl- As I was closing in on the 24-hour mark at World's Toughest Mudder, that was when I started to perform, I guess. So I've always wanted to see what it's what it would be like to push myself past that 24-hour mark. Hmm. So how's it gone? How have you found that so far? Uh, yeah, really good. <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up having a knee injury. I can't remember exactly what day it was. Around midday, we carried on through till, what time did we carry on through till? It was 2 a.m. we got to the hut. And we actually caught, so we we did the shorter course, the God's Own Pursuit, it's called. We caught third place at 2 o'clock in the morning, and they looked pretty exhausted. They were leaving the hut just as we turned up. And we woke up, and unfortunately, at 6, unfortunately, Toby's knee was pretty, pretty uh, exhausted. So we ended up pulling the pulling the pin. We headed back to Queenstown, and whilst I was at in Queenstown, I was talking to Michelle, my partner, and um, I was saying I need to get better at cycling. So halfway through the race, with the with half the race still to finish, I was already planning my training for this year for for next year's race. So, oh, so you you actually did pull out, did you? Yeah. So uh, unfortunately, Toby, uh, yep. one of our team members, injured his knee. So we had to forego the rest of the Air Mountains section. Air Mountains is uh, close to Tiana. now. Yeah. I was following you guys on um, the tracker, tracker online. Right. Um, and I seen you had the injury, but I thought you guys carried on. I thought you could carry on and be a, a did-not-finish team, but you actually finished the race. 
so we did that's correct oh, yeah so so we we pulled out we went home for the day and then we started at 8 p.m that night ah, and we were, okay. we were straight into a 170 kilometer bike ride yep. and the reason okay. that was yeah yeah so say, otherwise somebody stole your tracker because it kept on going <laughs> no, 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 no. So we we did um, we we kind of all but finished. Unfortunately, we missed the last hundred kilometer bike ride, which was for a silly cutoff. Um, I still don't understand why that cutoff was there because we had more than enough time to finish in my mind. But at the same time, you have to kind of play to the lowest common denominator. Unfortunately, so it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just stepping back from AR a little bit, you've also done um, some pretty epic trail runs. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I've, I've done quite a few. I do enjoy, like I say, I don't necessarily like the idea of running for the sake of running, but if it's an adventure and I can hang out with some friends, then it's pretty cool. So, I got invited to. I've, I've for some reason I've always had this idea to do the Great Walks. I'm guessing that's what you're referring to. Yes. Um, and I apparently I'd mentioned it before the Paparoa was even a Great Walk to a friend of mine seven or eight years ago which blew my mind because i had no interest in running at that time but he said that i'd <laughs> mentioned it anyway I, I got invited into the revenant which is kind of new zealand's ver uh, version of the barclay marathons okay, you might yep. have heard of it and i thought yeah that'd be cool but then i also had this opportunity to do the 10 great walks with a couple of friends of mine who put their hands up to help me they drove around and they were absolute legends and there is no way in hell that i could have done it without either of them so uh yeah, got that done. So I started tenth uh, of January, I believe it was twenty twenty one, and finished at three a.m. We started, and I think I finished at about three p.m. on the nineteenth of January. So it was nine and a half days basically to complete the ten great walks, including travel. You did it most of it on your own, or your friends were with you all the way, or you? So they they drove me. Yep. Um, Moana, the, the lake in the North, North Island, I did that on my own. We started at about three o'clock in the morning. And I think from memory, I finished around midday. We drove straight to Tongariro with the intent of completing the Tongariro crossing, um, or the, the Tongariro Northern, Northern circuit. We started that, we got about 10 or 15 kilometers in and we got snowed off. And I was doing that with Eddie, who was one of the guys who was driving with me for me. We ended up turning around, heading back, and I, I'd all but pulled the pin. I'd kind of, I, in my mind, I thought, well, if I can't do 10 and 10, what's the point in doing any of them? And they were like, really? You know, 9.3 in 10 days sounds a hell of a lot better than quitting on the first day. And I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so so we drove to uh, Taumaranui went to sleep got up the next morning i'd kind of pulled a few strings to see what i could do we couldn't move the ferry crossing in regards to possibly going back to do tongariro northern circuit uh, okay. we, couldn't, yep. we couldn't move the ferry crossing so they had to go so we got on the river and as we got on the river i i had an idea which was a crazy idea because i'd met this lady literally two days earlier on the ferry across and she was coming up from having done the revenant jean beaumont and I called her and was like, hey, how do you feel about driving from Wellington to Tongariro, running the circuit with me and then driving me back to Wellington? She was like, what day? <laughs> so I gave her the day. She's like, oh, well, I don't have any plans, so why not? <laughs> so a four-hour drive, a nine-hour run, and a four-hour drive later, we're in Wellington at 2 o'clock in the morning. The boys were already in Nelson on the ferry. We go to sleep. 
we get a few hours sleep. She gets up, she drives me to the airport and I get on a plane to Nelson and the boys pick me up and they drop me off at the start of the Able Tasman track. And I run the Able Tasman um, back and I'm mind blanking on who was there. It was an obstacle racer. Uh, ben Belitho. Okay. Oh, yep. He's gonna he's gonna tell me off for that one. Um, I think I butchered his surname. So he was he was there and he offered to help me kayak across, but luckily the, the estuary was all but empty. And I caught up with another friend, an old physiotherapist of mine who's a good friend now. Her and I finished the Abel Tasman, drove to the Heafy. I did the Heafy on my own, so that was a long day, 12 and a half hours. Drove to the Paparoa. We finished in black balls. I'm just trying to remember what side we, what where we started exactly. Um, I should have written it down. Uh, did the Paparoa track with a friend of Josh, who was one of my drivers. He also kayaked the Wanganui River with me. So did the Paparoa track with her. And then Josh and Eddie shared the driving overnight. We drove from Blackball, nearby Greymouth, to Glen Orkey to start the Rootburn track. So that was a 10-hour drive. I think they got there. It must have been 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. We... Got out, I ran the root burn track in seven hours with a good friend of mine, Amber, and then slept in Milford, caught a water taxi across to the start of the Milford track with Eddie, who did the attempted the Tongariro with me, and another friend, Eva. We did the Milford track. That was funny because we nearly got left behind. We were, unfortunately, the guy who was meant to pick us up wasn't able to make it, so I my PLB luckily pinged and Michelle had messaged me saying, couldn't make it so you're gonna to have to make the real journeys boat i was like well we got about five k's and i think we had about half an hour so it was going to be a pretty quick five k's considering the fact that i was eight days into a lot of distance mm. so i ran that and then got there drove to tianau stayed in tianau that was a pretty chill night did the uh, the kepler track the next day and then we drove to stewart island uh that's a lie we flew to stewart island we had milf uh southern air flights stewart island flights offered to do us a, a good deal to fly us over and we finished Stewart Island in about five hours which was super anticlimactic because the rest of the crew had all gone to Olver Island thinking I was going to be a lot longer so I ended up just finishing and just hanging out on the beach for a couple of hours waiting for them. So, How far is the Stewart Island one? It's just shy of 30 k's. Oh okay. Yeah, Somebody exactly. thought it was nearly 100 kilometers. I thought that was a that walk there was a, a three-day walk or something. So there's the Northwestern Circuit okay. on Stewart Island, which is, I think, for most people, eight to ten days. Eight to ten days. And I think it is just over 100 k's. Okay, yeah. Um, the, the fastest time for that, I think, might be maybe 48 hours. So it's it's a it's a gnarly trail. Yeah, but this, the Stewart Island, um, the Rakiura, which is the Great Walk, is uh, uh, okay. just a lot of mud, pretty much. Okay. Now, the, the longer one down there, I'd love to go down and do that one day. But I'd be happy to walk it in a couple of days, not run it in an afternoon. Yeah. Well, oh, you mean the, the Northwestern Circuit? Northwestern Circuit, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a it's a big it's a big adventure. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. it's at least a week. Um, there was actually a crew that or a couple that had finished that in about eight days when I finished the Rakiura, and they were – I felt kind of bad because they were talking about how their legs hurt because they'd just done this 100Ks <laughs> in eight days, and I was like <laughs> – Done a couple more than that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Thank another you. question is, what were you driving around in? What? So were you in a camper van or a, a, just a 
Corolla, how are you sleeping on these 10 hour trips? So we we got given a or, or lent a Mercedes Sprinter van from a hire company in Nelson, which was awesome. Uh, um, the guy was an absolute legend, and he just kind of gave it to us. At, at we just had to cover the insurance and the fuel and, and the travel costs, and he covered the cost of the van, which was which was fantastic. She was a squeeze. Three fully grown men. Eddie's not a small bloke. He's quite tall. So we were we were uh, actually Josh is quite tall as well. We were all kind of you know sandwiched in. But yeah, but driving between trails, it was me sleeping in the back and the boys kind of sharing the uh, sharing the driving. Adventures, absolutely. What you were saying before about doing beyond 24-hour events, it's it, yeah, <laughs> it sounds like it's your your new so passion. How far how far would that that distance be? How far would you run in those eight days or nine days? Uh, so it was nine and a half days. Uh, from memory, it was. 480 kilometres of running and 170 kilometres of kayaking. Mm. Off the top of my head, it was about 650 kilometres all up. All up. Yeah. And a few hundred metres of elevation. Yeah, not a huge amount. I mean, obviously, living in Queenstown, not a huge amount. That's all relative. I say that, and there's people living in Auckland going, no, that's probably quite a bit of elevation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got Mount Wellington, which is. Like I think about hundred and something if you get right down near the train station. Yeah. Run up. <laughs> well, um, I, I went for a run with Andrew McDowell. I'm not sure if you've heard of Andrew McDowell. He's a, a backyard yeah. ultra runner. I went for a run with him last year, and I hadn't run in Auckland since I'd lived in Queenstown. And we ran up Mount Eden, and I thought I, I used to struggle with Mount Eden. I was thinking, <laughs> is this was was I is this? Are you sure this is? Huh, okay. Um, it was it was a lot more manageable. And that was one of the reasons I moved to the mountains as well, was placing sixth at World's Toughest Motor in 2017. I actually looked at the top five people, and it was John Albin, Ryan Atkins, uh, Trevor Sykos, um, Austin Azar, I think it was, Chris Mendoza, and they all lived in Colorado, California, Norway, or the Adirondacks. And I was like, there seems to be something, there's a theme going on there. There's mountains in those places, so... That was probably one of the reasons that I um, ended up doing that. And I did hear a rumor that you went and trained with some of those guys when you're in the states. Yeah, um, I actually I've I've trained with a few of them now. So weirdly enough, I remember sitting on the um, pavilion in Paihia. I don't know if have you guys been to Paihia. Yep. There was a, a circus act, um, the biggest little circus kind of acquaintances of mine. Anyway, they were performing and. I remember seeing a guy who looked like Hunter McIntyre uh, walk past. And I was like, is that Hunter McIntyre? The person I was with was like, no, like, why would he be here kind of thing? <laughs> and he walked past and I was like, I have to check. So I jumped up and ran over. I was like, is your name Hunter? He's like, yeah, man, what's up? And I was like, and I'd never met him. And this was um, before I did one world toughest, but I was kind of fanboying. And anyway, him and I ended up training the next morning. He's like, oh, I'll be training tomorrow morning at like, six o'clock or something if you want to join i was like mate you could be up at three i'll be there i didn't sleep well that night <laughs> um so that was cool and then uh but yeah when i was in the states i hung out with trevor psychos for a few days um did some camping with Lindsay and ryan so they're they're all really down to earth people ryan and Lindsay are just weirdly chill and they actually kind of opened my eyes a little bit because i was on this very strict i have to get 100 miles of world stuff from 2017 no if buts maybes can't drink 
I've got to be trained. Like, it was just so strict. And this was on the Wednesday night before Spartan World Champs that year. And Ryan had, like, a big craft beer. I was like, <laughs> he's having a big craft beer a few days before. I mean, obviously, he's Ryan Atkins. I'm not going to yeah. compete myself to Ryan. But I can chill out a little bit. I'm a couple yeah. of months away from World's Toughers. Like, have a beer, mate. Relax. And that was actually one of the best lessons I I learned is just kind of not taking it too seriously and enjoying the process as opposed to focusing just on the result. So what's what's in the future? What's happening this year in in Andrew's diary? Have you got anything planned? Yeah, so having been the weakest cyclist on the team at World's Toughest, uh, sorry, at God's Own, that's been a pretty strong focus of mine. I've been spending a bit of time on the road bike. Uh, I have always wanted to try my hand at a backyard ultra. I've always been fascinated. As I say, resilience, it's its not exactly fast running, but it's just constant moving. So I've signed up for Crazy Ks in Christchurch on the 2nd of July. So we'll see what happens. I'm not holding my breath. I think I can hold my own. I'll just go out. I, it, it sounds like the advice from everybody who's done it is don't have a number in mind. Just go and do as many laps as you can and then just do one more. Yep. Um, and then I'll do a 10 week mountain biking course effectively or a training plan in preparation for a 12 hour mountain bike in October, the Naseby 12 hour, and then a couple of 24 hour races in November. I thought about doing world's toughest matter this year, but I think I'm just going to focus on the adventure racing. So a couple of 24 hour races in November, and then obviously God's own is uh, late February, early March. So I'm just trying to find a team anyone listening looking for a team for god's own okay i was just going to ask are you and your team going back again uh, next year but by the sounds of it you're not no it's toby's um i actually caught up with his wife yesterday his knees just coming right now he may or may not go back uh rich who rich and i navigated together um and if i was to be modest we did a pretty good job and that's just on the basis that if you take Avea's route and our route and overlaid them, they're pretty similar. So I'll, I'll claim that. <laughs> uh, obviously, talking about Chris Fawn earlier on, it'll give you an idea as to why I, I think we did good. Good. And uh, Becky, I haven't actually spoken to her. I'm not too sure what her plans are. But uh, yeah, looking to, to either go back and compete in the pursuit or at least finish the pure. And nothing overseas planned? Not in the immediate future. <laughs> Um, my partner's from Scotland and obviously she hasn't been over there for a couple of years. So we're planning on going there probably April. We will see what happens. And, but other than that, depending on how November plays out, maybe world's toughest mudder, but as I say, leaning towards racing here for the, for the foreseeable future. Mm. You might have to think about world's toughest next year. Yeah, it's definitely something I, I, I want that orange blazer. There's no doubt about that. Just going back to our conversation earlier on the, the lunch I had last Saturday with a few of your cohorts, there's a fair, fair few of them saying one more would be good and this year's not so well. So there's a few of them thinking of maybe next year might be something to, to think about. I'll have to, I'll have to touch base. Yeah, and I mean... Um, thinking yes. of also of uh, uh, the trifecta in Hawaii was another one that I don't know whether you've been involved in that, but there's a couple of them have done that and think that's well worth the trip. Just Not for the Hawaii, scenery no. and, and that. Yeah. Yeah, Hawaii is definitely somewhere to to kind of I, – I love the States. I think the States is is absolutely awesome. I, everywhere I haven't had a bad experience, and I've, I've traveled, you know, Midwest and West. So, yeah. 
food for thought. A lot of, lot of stuff here. Yeah. All right. Well, you got any other questions you'd like to throw out there, Max? I was just wondering, so going back a little bit about what you were saying about Hunter McIntyre. So that was in New Zealand. Yeah. So what was that story? Did, so he came here? Yeah, he was just kind of on holiday. He was yeah. just chilling out. Um, I actually ended up staying with him out in um, Malibu as well for a couple of nights. And it's funny because everybody thinks that he's this kind of, uh, what's the word? Um, like toxic masculine kind of just the persona that he puts on 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 uh instagram that's him he doesn't put anything on he's just that person all the time but he's just the most gentle lovable helpful person that there is so it's weird that he has this people have this perception of him but i just i don't have any like there's there's nothing bad if you hang out with him for enough period of time there's nothing bad you could say about him yeah Maybe you'd probably get a little bit annoyed with his energy levels, but hey, if you if you're wired that way, you're going to be a world champion, right? Like that's yep. just, like, oh, yeah. So, you don't get in the top fifty fittest people in the world by uh, not putting in the effort. And I follow him on Instagram and everything, and he seems he's out there, but he certainly seems to help a lot of people too. Yeah, there's there's two different types of world champions, and you see it in Hunter and Ryan. Ryan's very reserved, and he just kind of goes about winning, and Hunter's very kind of out there and extravagant. And I guess it's probably similar with Nathan and, and Steve Gurney as well. Steve's very kind of – he was very, you know, extroverted and big and bold and had all these crazy ideas, which worked for him. And then there's Nathan who just goes about just going out and winning races. So it's interesting. People either seem to be very – all, 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 100% in, or just, I just do this because I enjoy it and I happen to be really good at it. And there doesn't seem to be too much midway, at least in the in the <clears> world <throat> champions and in, the, in the, the top of the sports. Okay. Well, we ask everybody one question, uh, and it has nothing to do with the, the topic we were talking about. If you could have coffee with any person, dead, live, whoever, who would it be and why? I would, I think I would have to go with Arthur Lydiard. It, it probably seems kind of applicable, but um, I mean, obviously I've made kind of adventure racing and sport my life, but just the the fact that he was so far ahead of his time. There, there's a couple of reasons. One, my great grandfather actually spent a bit of time with him. Uh, he was part of the Carbine Club in, in Auckland and all of that. So to say that I don't have a genetic background in sport would actually be lying. I just I just like to think that I don't, and then I can be a you know an underdog or something. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just the fact that he was so far ahead of his time and he just did so well and so consistently, and the fact that so many of his methodologies are still used to this day all across the world, I just love to try and understand the way that he ticked. Just what made him come up with these ideas of getting people who were just doing a 1,500-meter race, getting them to do 100 miles a week. Like, how does that benefit? But obviously, he he had this idea, and he executed it, and he did it to one of the best ways that anybody's ever done it. Oh, well, he's had two two people now have uh, wanted to chat with him. Oh, really? Who was the other person? Liam. Aha. There we go. I didn't realize. And yeah, he had very similar reasons to you, too. Yeah because he was so far ahead of his time or yeah. and people still follow his regiment regimented way and, and still do it really well so yeah yeah very interesting <laughs> okay well thanks andrew for coming on we'd Thank love to get you back um in the future to 
do a bit more of a dive on adventure racing, get your input. Like Max said earlier on, uh, we are both novices or know very little about it. I'd love to learn a little bit more about it. I'd love to have a go at it one day. But we'd love to get you back on one time and, and spend a bit more time just talking about adventure racing and your thoughts and where you see the world of adventure racing going and, and how it can improve in New Zealand. Like we said, it should be a number one sport here behind rugby, but because um, we are, have so many people that are the best in the world at it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I would I would um, be honoured to, to be a part of obviously putting it in the mainstream and it's growing. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I think more and more people are seeing it with, with people like Richie McCaw joining teams in God's Own. Obviously, it kind of um, it puts the name out there a little bit, which is yep. awesome. And then when you start to actually kind of fathom what people are doing, it's it's pretty hard to imagine unless you're kind of out there. And it's pretty hard to imagine the sort of terrain. I mean, I could explain what sort of terrain we went over, but unless you're in it, it's really hard to actually kind of understand some of the stuff that you're moving through. And that's why I compare it to obstacle course racing. Yeah. But uh, and yeah. ha Having a better understanding, I, I certainly would like to, because I always thought it was the God Zone was that long race. Uh, it was only when I started looking for you and I thought, well, he's not in the main thing. What's this other race? And then realising that there, there is, it's the same as, the trail run. I love trail running and I go along and they do anything from 5Ks to 40Ks on a day and there's 20 different people heading off on different lengths. And uh, yeah, so that was getting an understanding on how that all works would be really enlightening. In the defence of people who did the pursuit, the course was only about 50 kilometres shorter. The major difference is the fact that you generally have a support crew with the pursuit, whereas with the pure, you don't. you generally don't have a support crew. This year they did. Um, so those are generally the main differences. Um, and the pursuit is a great place to enter expedition racing. <laughs> Although, considering the fact that two teams finished this year, maybe it's not the best place to enter. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. but also, looking on the map, it was a lot easier sitting here on Google Earth watching you from Auckland than it was being down there in the cold south. I mean, to, to give you an idea and to, and to leave you kind of pondering the terrain that we were on, when we first planned a, a hike, so the first day we had a, a little kayak, a mountain bike, a raft, and then we had the, the hiking part. And it was about a 30-kilometre hike in our mind. We would do, okay, maybe four or five k's an hour would be pretty logical. I ended up, so we planned for 12 hours. We had enough food for 12 hours each. I ended up losing a food bag, which was not any good. And then once we got into the terrain, we were probably moving – at some points, we wouldn't have been moving much faster than 500 metres an hour. So mm. it was, uh, yeah. Yeah, so that that's kind of like I say, he basically tried to get us to go to from Milford to Dunedin in the most difficult way possible, and he succeeded. So. All right. Well, we will definitely get you back for a more in-depth dive on that. Thank you again. I feel like we just sort of skimmed over some of what you've done and just uh, skimmed the surface of, like some of your adventures and definitely get you back on and definitely dive into some things in depth would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I hope you enjoyed that little chat with Andrew Robinson as much as we did. We um, certainly learnt a lot from him. And as we said, and Max brought up before, he's done a lot and we've only just scratched the surface. Yeah, we'll definitely talk to him again another time, fingers crossed. And don't forget to follow us. You can follow us on Facebook, sign up to our mailing list or follow us on Instagram and subscribe to the podcast on, you know, whatever your preferred podcast platform is. Thanks for listening and we will hopefully get another one out in, uh, in a fortnight's time.